Hello and welcome to the message. This is a really inspiring and challenging one and it is entitled How to Run the Race of Life. I hope this gives you a blessing and gives you some nourishment and soup for the soul. The message comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I have to forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try it 70 times seven. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he or she listens... You've made a friend. If they won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If they still won't listen, tell the church. If they won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need of repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Take this most seriously. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me in my name, you can be sure that I'll be there. Amen. Jesus, we want to thank you for your words. Thank you that we long to listen to you. And we ask, Lord, as, as I speak today, that words of encouragement, words of inspiration and challenge may come our way. So we may put this into practice, not just be hearers, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is a real joy to be here again. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm the vicar here at Holy Cross. And today's passage has inspired me, especially living in the Northeast. How to run the race of life. How to run the race of life. If, <laughs> if anyone here has missed it, there is an amazing run that's about to happen, or is happening right now as we speak. You may have sponsored people running the Great North Run, something that has been going for quite a while now, and has inspired many, including our bishop herself, who is running. And there is a lot of preparation involved. There is a lot to be done. And they run, and they get their prize at the end. Throughout the scriptures, we hear this theme. We're called to run the race. We're called to run the race that Jesus has already won for us. He has died and rose again. Love has won, as we heard. But we're called to run it. Our victory lap, if you will, of how to live this life to the full, knowing Jesus has done everything. I'm going to base my talk on the last two verses which we heard, which if you were um, with us, you would have heard this. Jesus says, again, I tell you, I love that. He said it many times before, 
Again, I tell you that if two on earth agree about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered, come together in my name, there I am with you. So what is the goal of this race? What is the aim of this race? Why are we running this race? If Jesus has done everything for us, we don't need to run anymore. It's true. You could just sit there, twiddle your thumbs. Jesus has done everything and you will still have a place in heaven because of what he did on the cross. However, that is not a real response, is it, to the love of Jesus. If we've really experienced Jesus, we'd want to follow him. And so from those two verses which I've read out, what is the goal of this life? The first goal of this life as a follower of Jesus is this. It's about relationships, not success. Relationships, not success. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered. I'm thinking Jesus may have looked at maybe Holy Cross on a Wednesday morning when me and Barbara are doing prayers or when, when you and one of your friends may be reading the Bible together. Or sometimes when we have a church service in the evening where maybe only five turn up and we go, well, well, two or three are gathered. But it's more than that. Jesus says, yes, I'm there when there's thousands. Yes, I'm there in the cathedrals, but I'm with you in the smallness of life, in the hiddenness of life. I'm with you in relationships. Sometimes we think it's all about the goal. It's all about getting the heating sorted out for winter, which it is. It's all about getting the toilet sorted out in the hall, which it is. But it's more than that. Let me just digress. Me and my family were on holiday um, over the lakes. And um, the goal was to climb to the top of Cat Bells and then go all the way around the Derwent waters and get back to the car for supper. The problem was, halfway along the road, Cade, my middle son, we said, you can go ahead, but don't forget to turn left. So he went to the top of Cat Bells like we did. We turned left, but we forgot to say left, then right. <laughs> so he went left, left. <laughs> he didn't have a phone on him. It didn't matter. There was no signal. And we lost him. The goal wasn't anymore to finish. The goal was to find him. Fortunately, he was a Cub Scout and he worked out how to get back. But it made me realise, again, here in church, when we have people gather and join us, such as the confirmation candidates, we rejoice. But when we see people go, like Simon attached to university, we feel a sadness because it's built on relationship, our race with Jesus. What else? From those two verses, do we get about the goal of our race? Bear in mind, it's optional, but grace should provoke us to do it. It's this. The goal of the race of life is about redemption and reconciliation. Sometimes, again, you feel it's just about you or me. Yes, well, a lot of our prayers are about ourselves, that's okay. But we've got to remember, Jesus says this in the severe of a wider passage of forgiveness. 
We heard that challenging word when someone does something wrong, you're called to go and take two other people with you and say, hey, let's see if we can work this out. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe the, the wider church says, hey, can we help you? If we don't forgive, how can the gospel be true to us? Sometimes we take it too hard on ourselves as well and we feel that God, we, we're not good enough. We're never good enough. But God says, no, that is not your race. Your race is a race of redemption. Running, knowing that you are redeemed. Like a beautiful chair, not from Ikea, but like that beautiful chair which I sit on that has been reconditioned. God is reconditioning you, revamping you, bringing out the colours in your life. What else do we learn about the goal of this race? The goal of this race is about coming home. It's about coming home. I would love to say that coming here, and maybe Simon and Natasha, this may have helped you get to university, coming to church, but there may be a wider thing, but it's not about getting promotion, getting richer, even though apparently I've heard a statistic saying that four-fifths of Christians around the world believe that following Jesus will get, gain you prosperity. Well, we hope that would happen. But the main reason of this race is to come home, to run home to heaven. We heard John reading from Romans, didn't we? To wake up from our slumber. I wonder if anyone's been up since four o'clock this morning. I know your warden may have done. Wake up! <laughs> We're not even halfway through the serpent yet. <laughs> Wake up from your slumber. You are closer to heaven than when you, when you first started. When I went through cancer five years ago, I looked at the scriptures in a completely different light. I thought, oh my goodness, it's not just about now, it's about heaven. When Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. He is saying, first of all, I meet you in your home. Everyone here has a home. I meet you where you are. I meet you in your room, your bedroom, your, your dining room, in your, your garden. I meet you there. Some traditions have an empty seat at their table. I wish we did. We're having a room at the moment. But some of you do have an empty seat. And someone says, that is for the unseen guest. Jesus is in your home and he longs to make that home with you. That's why he says where two or three are gathered, there I am. So home in the sense of with your family, home when you invite people into your house. Jesus says it is all about coming home. That's why the early Christians met in houses. They knew that is where, where humanity meets. That's where we eat. That's where we, we cry and laugh together. Jesus says the race is never ever meant to be segregated from normality of life. Jesus says the race is about your home and going home. So it's great, a bit like the runners, they, they know their goal, they know where they are going. But who's going to help me run the race? The good news from this passage is we see that we have a lot of strength on our side. Not only do we have the winning mandate that Jesus has risen from the dead, the pastoral lamb who has saved us, 
but we also have this. Jesus says, you run the race because you have his approval. You have his approval. You see, when Jesus says where two or three are gathered, he doesn't say when the King of England and the Archbishop of Canterbury and some other famous person meets, there are be. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say when you meet in the cathedral. He doesn't even say in this glorious church here. He says where two or three, you have his approval. You know, in the Jewish tradition, it says where two or three read the Holy Scriptures together, the glory of the Lord is with them. How much more if we follow Jesus? We have the glory, God's glory on us. Sometimes we, maybe we're too British to think that we don't really have God's glory. We're just plain old me. But it's good to stop, as it says in Corinthians, that we have uh, a glory that is even brighter than that, what was shone on Moses' face when he met God face to face. In fact, God only saw, well, God met with Moses, but God said, you can't see my face because you will be dead. So God showed a glimpse of his glory, and yet Moses' face shone so brightly. How much more for us who have a closer relationship to God than Moses because of Jesus? How much more do we have his approval? Two or three. There I am. The words I am. Sometimes when we look at the scriptures, we need to not just dust over it like we're reading uh, the Chronicle newspaper. There I am. John, in particular, the Gospel writer of John, when he uses the word I am, the disciples, the, the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees fell backwards when Jesus said, I am. The power of the Holy Spirit is with you. When I met this week with Agnes, Agnes is here, is Agnes here? No, Agnes is there. I felt God's Spirit just this joy because we were talking about all these different styles of music. When I closed up the church on a, a Wednesday evening in the dark, when I met Tim Brown, a pastor of another church, I felt God's strength lift me. When I was with the young people and, and the youth leaders last night with the barbecue, I just felt a sense of joy. God says, you can't do this on your own, this race. You need his spirit. And that's why he says, where two or three are gathered, there I am, in your heart, in your home, giving you the strength you need. What else do we get? This is amazing. I just think this is just, when I've been reading this for the last seven days, I've been telling Ali all about this while she's cooking and all these other things. Thinking, you can't, this is unbelievable. The third thing, Jesus, I do, I do the washing up, by the way. Ali does the cooking, okay. <laughs> when, when we run this race, not only do we have his approval, not only do we have his spirit, but we have this. Get this, okay? Okay, undiluted, I'm going to say it to you. Prayers will be answered. Prayers will be answered. Now, 
Jesus says that because he wants to provoke us. He wants to wake us up and say, come on, let's hear it then. Let's hear your prayers. We think, oh no, God doesn't answer prayers. I've prayed four prayers. None of them have got answers. There's a, um, a guy called George Muller from Bristol. He's, he's passed many years ago. He does amazing work with the poor. In fact, sometimes when he prayed, uh, he had an orphanage and uh, he prayed for bread. Sometimes a baker would turn up with bread. He catalogued 50,000 prayers. I'm not asking you to catalogue them, but 50,000 prayers. And he wrote when they were answered. 10% were answered straight away. 90% were not answered straight away. Why still 5,000 that were answered straight away? I think, wow. What Jesus is saying, what I'm giving you is a promise. And I want you to respond to it by being expectant. The reason why God uses certain individuals is because those individuals expect to be used. The reason why prayers are answered by more than, than other people at times is because they expect God to turn up. They expect it. May I encourage you to do that. So coming into land, we're running this race. We've got the strength. We know it's about relationships. We know it's about that home that God's calling us to. He's given us the power. He's given us the, the promise of answer prayer. How do I know I'm running the right way? How do I know that I haven't gone off course like I've done before on a walk now and again? In this passage, we hear Jesus say, I am with you. I am with you. The great thing is, unlike the great North Run, is if you do go off course, he says, don't worry, I am with you. If you go to Nottingham, Simon, or Liverpool, Natasha, or if you go to um, Benwell, like I'm going to later on, and I've gone the wrong way, because it's okay, I am with you. Put into practice the Great Commission, which basically he is saying in this passage, what is the Great Commission? The Great Commission is this. Go and follow me and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You make disciples by being kind, by loving, by being patient, being adventurous, being passionate, being positive, being expectant that God is with you until the end of the age. Wherever you go, know he is with you. How do you know you're on track? How are you forgiving others? That is the litmus test. Hartley, our pastor from one of the churches that use Holy Cross, once said, and I've said it to you before, without forgiveness, there is no Christianity. Jesus says in this passage, doesn't he? Doesn't he? How many times do we forgive? Not seven, but 70 times. I was on holiday, um, as, you, as you know, and I had a fraud on my, on my phone. Normally, I can bat them off, you know, thinking, well, you know, it's clearly is a fraud, you know. It's like, I, I don't know anybody in Timbuktu who is a, the, the prince of, of uh, whatever. But this fraud was so convincing. I, just to let you know, I did get the money back. But it was so convincing. It was, and even when, even when on the phone it says, 
when the, the, the fraudster said to me, can you give me the code? Even when it said, don't share with anyone, the fraudster still was able to manipulate. Bear in mind, I used to work in a bank. Bear in mind, I used to do law. Bear in mind, I'm, you know, I'm not that um, you know, um, unreasonable. He was still able to grab that money off me. And I remember for days feeling an unforgiveness to myself, thinking, you foolish person, why didn't you do it? Even though the bank said, don't worry. Even though uh, my, my wife and uh, my children said, oh, well, never mind, let's go jumping in a lake. But, you know, I think life goes on, doesn't it? But even then, I just thought, I felt so foolish. I went to see my sister, um, who lives in uh, Liverpool, for a day or two, and it, I just felt so much better. I ask you this question, if you're finding it hard to forgive others, how are you forgiving yourself? Jesus says in this passage, doesn't he? How many times do we forgive? We need to forgive all the time. There is a sea of forgiveness that God has given us, a sea of forgetfulness. We still hold on to things from many years ago. But if we're going to run this race to the fore, we've got to forgive ourselves and others. And finally, I leave you with this here. If nothing else, remember this. Running this race, even though it's tough, even though people will knock you sideways at times, follow Jesus. It's in my name. All of this is in my name. All of the, the worship we do is in my name. Everything you do, whether you bake, whether you cook, whether you talk, whether you write emails, whether you dance, skip, or just fall asleep, we do it all in Jesus' name. It says, doesn't it, and I end with this, in Revelation, I knock at the door of your heart. I knock at your door. Whoever answers, I will come in and I will rest and be at home with you. If nothing else from this talk, on this day where I'm sure many people are hotter than me at this moment, running the race of the Great North Run, Know this, Jesus has confidence in you to run this race to the end. Why? Because God's spirit is in you. He's put it in your eyes, your ears, and your heart to keep going, to love, forgive, and not give up. So let's do this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Hey, that was a really encouraging one. I love the fact that Jesus won the race and he has given us a lot of markers along the way to keep us on track. I love the fact that the race is worth running and he's given us strength and his spirit to go with it with all of our being. Wonderful. Why don't we end with the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs>